Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Aisha Elliott, and you're listening to Black Girl from Eugene. You might hear a little bit of an echo because I am now in my new home in Pittsburgh, um, Pennsylvania, and I have very little furniture as we speak waiting for it to be shipped in. Um, So there's a little bit of an echo in the house, which is kind of funny. Uh, So... I, of course, want to thank my Patreons for staying with me and uh, supporting me all this time. I also want to announce that I have a series, an ongoing series, um, that will stop after five weeks, take a couple breaks, start again. Every two weeks, we have an hour discussion, excuse me, discussion about race, equity, um, race politics, Uh, our own personal relationship to racism, white supremacy culture. And we get an hour as a group um, to speak and talk and freely about your own experiences, about things you may want to ask about in a safe environment, things you want to talk to, talk to and and, uh, perhaps process with a group of people who are like-minded. So in order to join those conversations every two weeks, um, and we started our first one last Thursday, and it was wonderful. You would have to join my Patreon and um, and at the tier of $5, and you'd be able to join those conversations at any tier, actually. So um, you want to go to patreon.com, Eugene underscore one, and just join at any tier you feel is comfortable for you. And please join us in our, on our next conversation. So uh, I wanted to jump on... And and say a little something because I you know I'm one of those folks and I don't know who out there are the same that I don't process stress in a way where it's like obvious to me that I'm under stress. I know that sounds weird, but I'm one of the type of people who when something stressful comes up, I am absolutely I. This is the plan. This is what we got to do. This is what we're going to do. Let's get it done, you know, and then process later. I am someone who can look at a real true crisis and disaster and just head right into it with solidarity, a plan, and a way to get it through. And it's successful, covering all the bases. And then when it's all done, taking care of everyone's where they're supposed to be, then I, and then I process and so sometimes it will be where you may not even, I may not even know that I have been affected by something until, you know, my hair is shedding or I've gained a bunch of weight. And I'm like, what's all this about? It's like, oh, let's look at the last, you know, three months or five months of what's been going on for you and the weight you've been carrying and the, the heroism that you've been displaying with, you know, out any request <laughs> um, and the uh, sacrifices that you've made and the peace that you may not be having reciprocated back, right? So, you know, um, the last time I had, you know, a really funky, uh, a really funky, I don't know, um, passive PTSD experience through police brutality was probably... George George Floyd, um, and it's a, it's a very hard thing to explain, but it is something where you know it's just like everything just starts to kind of fuzz out and get annoying and get really tight and irritating. And it's like kind of the slow, quiet, scratchy noises, right? Where you're just like, why is everything and anything and all the things, you know, just getting to be just irritating and bothersome? And um, you, even when you're sitting, you just, you're, there's, it's uncomfortable. When you're standing, it's uncomfortable. When you're eating, it doesn't taste good. Like, and you're just going, what is going on? And you don't know. And I think, you know, with this latest police brutality incident and, um, I, I see that I am a person, and I, and I hope this resonates with other people, I am a person who actually uh, can and do think of the greater good, think of the, the humanity all the way through. And so 
when people are uh, vicious, you know, the online trolls and the and the ridiculous people who just want to be out there to like rile your rile your uh, your state of mind and your peace. They're just out there to to laugh at every emotional thing you say. They just put the laugh emoji on, you know, or the um, emoticon thing on Facebook and Instagram or whatever. And I just think about like it's interesting because as a content provider and as a writer. And as an advisor, it's so disheartening to see other people who really just get a rise in hurting other people, even by hiding behind the keyboard. But more so, like these officers that killed um, Mr. Nichols, it's like because they were black, all of a sudden these folks were like, see, told you, told me what? What in the hell are you talking about? Right? Like completely this, this or that mentality, this vacuum, you know, it only, it's only because one plus one, you know, and and I don't know what two is. You know, I don't know what three is. I don't know that you can place these things in different order and get different answers. I don't know anything other than what's placed right in front of me. And I'm going to ride that to the very end, you know, regardless if it's right or wrong. And it's just the inhumanity of it. Because I feel like if these videos were all of white people... And we had to watch death and snuff videos and analyze, you know, oh, he called out to his mother and, and oh, I'm, I'm so heartbroken. And it was just white folks, you know, just all the time, just all the time. I feel like, I feel like just from what history would tell you is that black folks would lend a hand, you know, and I'm not talking on a political sphere right now. I'm not talking about systemic change or, or um, any of that. I'm just talking about regular old people, you know, who want to comment on a death murder video of yet another young, innocent, beautiful young man that would have no, would have no um, run-ins with the law if that matters to you. And yet it's another person dead. And you want to talk about, you want to talk about who murdered him and why that matters. And, and that's what you want to do. We're, we're not going to collectively talk about the trauma, even if it, that person who is dead on the ground doesn't resemble you right or anyone you may know or your body or your brother or your you know or your an old teacher that you know whatever the hell if not, it just does not resemble anyone you know then all of a sudden the dehumanization kicks in and everyone else affected by it doesn't matter it's all about you we're all in your world all of a sudden you know and and for some reason, the perpetuation of this violence and the same community having to experience it vicariously through, um, through listening, through reading. Of course I did not read, watch the video. Of course I did not watch the video. Why would I watch the video? But the other, the, the clips that are all over everywhere. I can't even get, I can't even do my job. Like I'm supposed to be doing reels and, and video clips. I can't even get on Instagram or TikTok or any of the, the um, apps that I'm on and, and generate my platform because I cannot get away from just snips of the video. And without the video being seen, I don't need to see the video. I don't even know why you need to see the video. You know, the video is neither near or nor there. We know what happened. He's dead. 
And at the hands of cops, do we need to see the, the gory details to, valid, to validify the experience? Right? And so, and the way, you know, the news, CNN, NPR, NBC, all of Fox, oh my God. The, the way that they set this, the video will be releasing in, in five hours and 42 minutes. The hell, what are you doing right now? This is somebody's child, and not only is it someone's child, it's a record, it's a repeated offense to everyone's psyche to continually watch death when, it, when the victim looks like you or someone that you know dearly, right? Like none of that matters for the sensation, for the, for the, the you know, for the likes, none of it matters. And the thing is that it matters tremendously. Could we go between watching his video go to yet another mass shooting? And then people, oh, the Democrats don't know what they're talking about. It's all happening in California. They have really tight gun laws. Democrats are crazy. Do you really think this is about Democrats and Republicans? That is where you're going to go with this? At what point... Do we as a society see each other as people, human beings that breathe air, drink water, pee and go to the bathroom, right? Put our leg on left and right, right and left, however you choose. Pick up a pencil, write with it, not write with it. Have lips, have ears, have skin, have a heart. Like, it's so easy to demonize because that is what people of privilege have been taught to do. And within this society and within white supremacy culture, it's just fine. Because that's how a whole community of people can be property. Right? And you can discuss for literally centuries about whether that property has the right to live on its, on its own not their own, not her own, own, not his own, but its own. And that's what these body, these snuff videos are about, right? And that's what all this commentary is about. And that's what all the, 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 the feelings are about. Except for until it hits you, it just isn't real. And then when it hits you, we're supposed to say, oh my gosh, yeah, welcome to the club. You know, black folks have put up with so much pressure and so much, so much just despair and grief and loss at the hands of another community. Really, I'm just going to put at the hands of the system, systemic racism. And this is what we're always talking about. Systemic racism. It is an catastrophe. It is, it is shameful. And the truth of it is, is that we've always known this. And now since 2020, we've all, it's now come to the, the volition or to the, um, volition is not the right word, to the understanding of privileged and white bodied people that they are, that this has been happening all of a sudden. Now it's become real for them. Here we are three years later, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure about the faith in, I'm not sure about the faith. I don't want to say the faith in humanity because I'm always going to fight for the right thing. And I know there's other people out there like me that will come back to a country that is torn and believe that they can help. You know, I always feel like the ignorance and the just blatant disregard for human experience is such a deep sickness that I don't understand why people don't address that. It's like, oh, it's his opinion. It's not an opinion. It's not an opinion when you're doing it in the timing of an of a extraordinary and public death that is repeated again and again and again. And you allow that opinion to keep being said over and over again. It's adding to the trauma and it should be, it should be curbed. It's like have some respect 
for the process, man. Have some respect for the loss and everyone grieving in it. But because you want to make it about Republicans and Democrats and, and that BS, then you can't, you can't see his mother and imagine your own because it's not about, or it would never be your mother, right? It would never be your mother. Can we talk about why you believe it would never be your mother? Mr. and or Mrs. and or white person? So the thing is, is that the systemic strangle that is on black folks really isn't new. But the, tel- the, the television, the t- having it televised is not actually that new either. But having it on a reel, on repeat, on, on every platform you can imagine, you cannot pick up the phone or the TV or the, or the news or the radio or anything and not hear and see on, just on like constant loop. That's not okay. That's not okay. And the thing is, is that by normalizing that in our society, we're literally saying we don't, we don't really care about the experience. We just want the detail so that we can intellectually masturbate to it. That's all I'm saying. I feel like there's no piece of a human being behind any of this analytical anything. And there's no change. I mean, we can just go right on over to these, to these mass shootings. And because now, you know, the mass shootings, oh, oh they're being perpetuated by their, own, by their own racial groups. So that just throws out the race, um, you know, that just throws out the race argument. No, it does not. No, it does not. I don't know. And I don't know why I have to say this so many times to so many people. And I don't know how many people you guys all have to say this to. But like race... People within a race are not a monolith. And there are plenty of black folks who are whiter than the next white person you stand next to. You know what I mean? And I say white meaning that culturally, spiritually, disconnected from origins for whatever reason, for whatever reason that they do not identify and they cannot connect to a black consciousness. That is not the same. They are not the same. Black folks have a saying, all your skin folk ain't your kin folk. Just because we're black, just because I'm black and that person's black does not mean that we are operating under the same guise. You know, I come from a, a place to see all my brothers and sisters in the diaspora around the world. Black, brown, I see the origins of humanity in black folks. So that means nobody is a stranger to me. But the systems and the culture that you decide to practice can estrange us. And so if you are black and you are holding on to a culture that would rather see, uh, would rather demonize black women and, and uh, ostracize black non-binary folks and and um, minimize black men, we are not coming from the same cultural lens. We're not coming from the same spiritual heart or place or space. Those folks are damaged and disconnected. They are our enemy, just as much as the racist system that has fooled them into believing that that if they behave this way or fooled them into thinking that they are able to meld into a system and re- re- it's reap its benefits the way white-bodied people are. Whatever pill they swallowed, whatever experience got them to where they are, we are not the same. So talking about talking about these black officers being, you know, like black, as if that matters in terms of you see it wasn't about race. That's not true. Cultural, institutional, uh, the, your your relationship to institutionality. How do you see yourself in it? Can you even see yourself separate from it? Like, what are you talking about? They, as soon as they put that suit on, we got questions. We got questions, right? 
Um, you know, and we all talk about the institution more than we talk about the individual. So don't even go there. You know, a physician is not, is no longer, you know, Joe. He's a physician for God's sake, right? He's institutionalized. Cops are the same. I don't, you, I, you can argue with me all day. I don't care. I'm a survivor of police brutality. I'm the wrong person to ask about, do you think that, you know, there are good cops and bad cops? I think there's an institution and I think people get lost within it. And lot, people who are lost back to the mass shootings, people who are lost, people who are frustrated, people who have been victimized themselves will turn to people who are who they feel or they may perceive as people who are closest to them and may have left them there. I'm just talking psychology. I don't know the reasons for the Asian shooters and these elderly Asian shooters. I don't know the reason. But I do know that because they were Asian and their victims were Asian, it doesn't mean that it takes away from the fact that, that human life was lost under, the, uh, under stress and under some mental inability to align. It's not natural for us to want to die. It's not natural for people to want to kill. It's not actually a natural thing. We actually want to survive and we want to commune. We want to actually be able to feel and see and hear heartbeats and breath and communication and touch. It's how we grow. If you don't touch a child after birth, if you don't, if you don't talk to a plant, if you don't do the life does not thrive. So all of this other mental uh, gymnastics that people are doing is exactly that mental gymnastics to try to figure out how we lost our humanity. And then when you talk about humanity, you want to go into this idea of this, this hippy-dippy bystander cultural crap. That's not what I'm talking about. Just the idea that you can walk past someone who just fell down and not even say, hey, put your hand out. You need a hand up? You know? I mean, I understand cultural, I understand cultural differences in, in uh, and so I'm not getting into the details of you know, whether you can ask for, ask for help or have them help you or blah, blah, blah. I'm not doing all that. What I'm talking about is general concern for other human beings. You know, general concern. So when you've seen this, these snuff videos over and over and over again and you think you need to reach out to your black friend to go, oh my God, did you see it? You don't get it either. You don't get it. We're not trying to see it. We're running from it. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to see that. We're not trying to, to do that. I'm try, I, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I definitely was like, I wonder what those officers' families are like. You know, I wonder if it was like they knew this dude from some, some other thing. You know, I want to ascribe and I want to assign some unusual circumstance. And, not, and that's just my mind being trained to normalizing this level of violence. There ain't nothing in the world that would, that, it doesn't matter. There's nothing in this world that would be okay for these five fools to beat to death anybody. I mean, it just seems so ridiculous to even put it into a sentence like, oh, we're talking about beating, oh, because they were cops. Oh, so now we have a conversation about murder as if it might be a part of their job duty. No, no, it's not actually. And the way that we have made it a part of their job duty as, oh, what was he doing? What was the, what was the criminal doing? It doesn't matter. You're supposed to arrest him alive so that he can be tried by his peers. That's the way it's supposed to go. You know what I mean? Like, whatever happened to shooting in the leg? Like, oh, now you can just be like, I was afraid for my life, and therefore, how are you afraid for your life? This guy was six foot three, and he weighed 140 pounds, like, legitimately weighed 140 pounds. He had Crohn's disease. Like, this is the facts. These are five linebacker-sized dudes beating him for three minutes straight. How do I know all those details? And I didn't even look at the video. You see what I'm saying? As a survivor of police brutality, I can't 
Though just the words, just the words sit with me in a way that I cannot describe. Sits with me in a way that has me tense around my children, has me running for a place of solitude that I cannot find. You know, it has me shaky in my voice and crying out of sheer latent frustration. I wasn't, it's been years. How many years has it been since I was assaulted? I was assaulted in 2015. I just now, physically for the first time, haven't had pain in my body for the last two months from the assault that I endured in 2015. I just now, for the first time since then, have only had nerve pain in one spot versus several spots in my body since that, since that attack. So that's the physical ramifications of what happened to me. When mentally and, and emotionally, I get conflicted in my sense of humanity because my work is to talk to people about racial relationships, their relationship to racism, to align your intention to your impact. That is my job. I have self-crafted my own business to talk to people and how to do this better, how to see each other better, how to communicate and and create cultures of anti-racism in a way that is inclusive. That is what I do. And when these type of things happen, it is incredibly hard to stay focused. It's incredibly hard to believe that the white people I work with all throughout the years who resist my advice, who resist my recommendations, who resist my instruction, who, who go to, come to my classes and my trainings and question all of everything that I say and do, and I remember I show up the next day to do it again, and then this happens, and it's hard to focus. I say I'm a healed person because there's so much in my background, there's so much that's going on in this time and in this time frame of my life that I can show up and I can hold space and I can allow people to have their frustrations. I can allow businesses to refuse to do the hard work and still try to show up in a way that is professional and encouraging and like I said, holding space for learning and for the space that you can't, that, you're, that you struggle with learning. And I can do that. And I go to bed just fine at night. It doesn't make my back hurt. It doesn't make my head hurt. It doesn't make me resentful. And then I watch a video like this. And I think, what is this feeling in my body? I have to have space and time to get back aligned because they just, and I say they by the system, just keep beating down my door and beating down every black person's door, beating down every survivor's door to just make sure that you are just not all the way forgetting who has the power when it comes down to it. When it comes down to it, who has the power over your sanctity, over your peace? Of course we say you do. And of course we say, I do. Of course you do. And then you live in a society that is trying to normalize mass shootings and police brutality by creating a countdown to when you can see the live feed. Do you understand how sick and twisted? So if we're scared to talk to the man, to the system, we're scared To say, look, what you're doing is not okay because you want to keep your job. You're just like, hey, look, it's it's, post-COVID, it's hard to keep your job out here. All right. I mean, I see you. I understand. I got three kids I'm raising. I get it. And also, when your neighbor of color doesn't want to talk for a while, not answering their phone, people aren't showing up for work, don't talk about, I wish I was. Because there is serious serious warfare going on 
on our peace of mind, on our psyche. Serious warfare. The trauma, the chains that they are trying to maintain around our psyche and our, and our nervous system and our physical ability to maintain this tower of resilience that comes directly from ongoing torture and trauma. How do we do it? That's beside the point. That's our conversation to have. I don't want to share that with other people anymore. I don't want to share how do we do it. Unless it's to, to, to help you along with your 12-point process of how you're going to destroy what or, or, or uh, destroy or press against or push or disturb any kind of, of um, any kind of systemic injustice that you know that you work with every single day, that you walk past, that you fund vicariously or, or through some other way. You know, and I'm talking about people who like, you know, eat and shop at fucking, excuse my language, Home Depot. You know that the, the money that goes to Home Depot goes straight to uh, Christian evangelists and to Trump. They say it every year. They are proud of it. They put it on their banner. Yet they have the best prices. So I guess I'm going to have to go over there. Do you? The passive complacency, complacency, excuse me. When it gets to this, and this, the protests, I mean, I, I appreciate the protests, but I'm going to need to protest CNN. I'm going to need to protest Fox. I'm going to need to protest, you know, I, I mean, I do understand that the family was like, gave permission to some of the folks to show the video, not to the, to the, um, not to the news crews, but to like, you know, social justice folks on different platforms. I understand what they're trying to do. And I guarantee you, they most likely will regret it in the future. Having your son or your loved one, and I'm air quoting, go viral in the last moments of his life, haunt you for years and years and years. I think about my trial all the time when this kind of stuff comes up. People ask me, you know, about it. And I just just always talk about the moment. And I'm, when, I, when I complete my book, which I should hopefully complete this year, I will talk about it in more detail. But I cannot tell you all the moment of realization when I thought, what am I doing here? Looking at myself, my white lawyers, the whole left side of the court with cops, white, my jury, white, with one Asian person, my judge, white and male. I knew he was a part of the LGBT community. I thought maybe, and then he started talking. I said, nope. And I thought, where, what am I doing here? As if, as if they're going to hear me, as if they are going to see me. What a fool am I? But now I'm here, and this is, we're going to go through it. We're going to go through it. Me and my son were downing CBD, (laughs) excuse me, to calm our nerves. Do you hear me? Downing CBD between the two of us to try to get through those trial days as a whole two-year, two-and-a-half-year process. Just to hear the jury say, and they're quoted in the newspaper, of, I just didn't think the officer would do something like that. Oh, for real? Mm, that's interesting. Um, I can't, I mean, I won't even get into my court. This is not about me. And it's not about what happened in court. Not about any of that. Um, really? 
when I think about this whole thing, it's just, I just think about how nasty people are to each other. When someone like, they like, it's like these white bodied folks, and it's, and it's, white bodied folks, like talking to black people with such a level of disdain and disrespect when a trauma like, they can't even like, when a trauma like this has occurred, they can't even like, like extrapolate the trauma that's happening. Because they, they don't care anyway, but I'm just saying to extrapolate the trauma that is happening and maybe just shut up, you know? Like, just maybe? You know, at some point when people are dying every day, oh, it's California, could you just, like, not? People are actually dead. And a lot of people. And it's not like we had something to talk about. It's not like it was a tsunami or an earthquake or something that would make sense that we had no choice in the matter, right? But we have choice in this matter and people, children. I mean, I swear, when Sandy Hook happened, I knew that would be it. A bunch of well-to-do white children. I was like, oh, okay, maybe we're about to do something about these guns. Sure enough, that's not even enough. I don't, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of money these people are making off guns to just wipe off children, women and children and people and just say, yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea that these are a lot of them, not the most recent, but a lot of them are race baited shootings as well. I don't know. It just, I feel like the tragedy is louder than the solution. I don't hear enough of the solution, but I hear way too much of the tragedy. That's all we talk about is the tragedy because there's no one is coming up with a solution that we can work with. (sighs) I have been told that my conversations are thought provoking. And that's really what the goal is. My goal is not to preach. My goal sometimes you know when i when i'm tasked with teaching i don't really want to teach the details and i don't want to teach the history and i i'm not that's not my gig that's not what i like to do my what i do and what i do best is teach awareness and self realization and ways to move through the world with in a in a conscious manner and ways to see yourself and others so that you can responsibly relate And I do that through the lens of anti-racism. And because I have so much background in business, nonprofit, uh, you know, in all of the things, it's not hard to extrapolate and recreate and to demonstrate how you can create a culture even through business models and board uh, you know, procedures and policies to allow people to be relevant again. People are not relevant anymore. That's why when I moved from Costa Rica, I mean, that's not why. There's, I mean, I'm a human being. There's multiple reasons. Um, but, you know, the least, the least personal reasons of why I could not stay in Costa Rica, and I think I said this on a previous podcast, you know, the dehumanization of Costa Rica is well underway. And the colonization has already been there, but now the advanced model of dehumanization has never been something that Costa Rica was about. But just the land grab and the, you know, uh, capitalism that has gripped Costa Rica, it's already losing its, um, you know, it's the, the locals are already losing the game. And it's unfortunate to watch. It's unfortunate to witness. It's unfortunate to see people who just say, oh, that's too bad. Oh, man, my tickets to my yoga retreat are just like two weeks away. It's so unfortunate. I'll be thinking about that when I'm there and, you know, try to buy local stuff. I'm just like, oh, wow. I mean, you know, it might be personal for me because I'm personally invested. 
But when I guess I see other people who are losing their sons and losing their mothers and losing their daughters, I know what it may feel like. Or I can imagine that it would be a horrifying experience. And that's enough to pause. That's enough to say, is it really worth all of this for me to do? Like, I want to retire in so-and-so. I don't know. I feel like we got problems here that maybe you and your privilege could assist in. Um, But hey, maybe not. You know, it's hard to say from way over here, but I can, I'll put my money on that I'm right. This year and every year going forward, the old way is not going to satisfy the new day. And we are going to end up left behind and confused if we don't step into being uncomfortable in our new reality and step into it fast. If you're still holding on to what happened when you were 15 or what happened to you when you were 10 or things I heard about and you have not thought, I have grown and I have changed and I am someone who can look back and say, thank you for that information. It was painful. It was disheartening. And I can now move on. Get therapy. It helps. But also, you might want to explore the idea that holding on to the past could possibly, and in a very real way, convolute your future. Sometimes compassion, when you just realize that the old argument is now dead, it's moot. It doesn't matter anymore. The, re- the resolve won't change anything, right? That, it's that old saying, like, you, sometimes you just have to be okay with not ha- without getting an apology. I don't mean this in a systemic way. I don't mean this, I'm talking on a personal level now that if we're holding on to things that stop us from creating a better future, we're holding on to fear, we're holding on to economics, we're holding on to what will people think of me? That isn't going to work. Let that go. Because now anything you say is game. All bets are off in 2023. If, so, if you say something that's wildly unpopular and you say that's because it's true or that's because I because of look around, they are going to know what you mean. But the real investment and the real idea is the why. Why are you invested? Why do you want the change? Why are you here talking about and listening to anything that has to do with anti-racism when it doesn't reflect you in your, in your privilege? Don't do it out of pity because, yeah, that will always give you a choice to get out of it when it's uncomfortable. The why has to be a much deeper investment to your own relationship. Really, several relationships. But I wonder how many of you understand that you have a relationship to institutionalism and how the socialization of what you believe to be true, what you think should, anytime you use the should, should be happening isn't based in the reality of what is now. Having the ability to choose from your past what makes sense for right now versus traditionalism and this is how we do it and this is what I know. Fight the urge of perfectionism and just be wrong because you don't know how to do it, but you know the old way you used to do it doesn't feel right anymore. The courage to state, I don't feel right doing this like this anymore because I've heard too many things that just feel really wrong. All of those things are enough if your why is embedded in the wellness of everyone. Knowing that the wellness of the black community is is absolutely going to benefit the wellness of the Asian community. The wellness of the Asian community is absolutely going to benefit the wellness of the indigenous community. Any competition in between is just part of the of a byproduct of white supremacy. You, we have got to get past 
that, this misunderstanding. It's very clear. It's very clear. When you don't have to deal with those um, stringent and just tightly wound rules of engagement, and you end up just being, what do you need as a person? Living off what makes sense, you just feel better. That's why everyone is running to the Caribbean. Colonization didn't skip the Caribbean. <laughs> Colonization, white supremacy didn't skip, you know, the Caribbean. It's still there. But what isn't there is this, this violent and desperate and really quite pathetic intertwining and, and just white-knuckled grasping to being in front, to being in control, and to being the right way, and to being doing it a certain way, you know? That part is the pathological part. Where did the flexibility go? Where did the we are the people, you know, we go? If we were really going to get into what we really means, I mean, we all know when we, we the people was all a bunch of white men. We got that. We understand that. When are we going to let go of that? Right? For the sake of humanity, perhaps? <sighs> well, I have vented and dropped my thought process on you long enough, I believe. Um, I, like I said before, I am now back stateside and I absolutely love Pittsburgh I've only been here exactly, well, okay, two weeks and one day as I'm recording this. But, oh my gosh, Pittsburgh is beautiful. Like, it's, un, I don't want to tell everybody, but it is underrated. It is gorgeous out here. Um, and I know I've only been here two weeks, but I haven't met a person who has been, like, rude, even short, yet. Like, everyone is so nice and helpful and like generous. It was, it's been a little strange. (laughs) I say strange because, you know, when you're looking at the United States from the outside, even though I'm obviously a North American, you, the, the way that this pain looks like from a distance, we look pathological. I mean, we really look like we have mental health, like we got to get some intervening. We just look very violent. I mean, people are like, nervous. And then when you get here and you talk to folks, you know, the folks, uh, the, the, that vitriol, like that, that venom that you get off the internet is just not there. And I'm sure I'm probably in a very, I am in a nice neighborhood and, and I air quote nice neighborhood. And I have, you know, the schools are good and the people are a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. It's very nice, you know, Mostly, I, I see lots of East Indian and white folks around, and so um, that's the kind of the neighborhood demographic. Um, I see some black folks sprinkled in here and there, white folks as well, of course, they're here. <laughs> um, but it feels like when I was look, walking down my grandson's um, new school, the hallway, I was looking at self-portraits of the students, and the majority of them were brown, or at least a hue of brown, which I thought this is different. I like this. This is great. The teachers and administrators and folks, um, different backgrounds. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be a different approach to my everyday with my grandson. It'll be all right. But you know, two weeks in, you know, I'll let you know how it goes. I don't want to say I'm looking for the bad, but this has been very, very comfortable. Um, We are experiencing the weather here, which is wild. Um, not what you would expect at all. And like today was a beautiful sunny day, went for a walk. And yesterday it was snowing and raining. Today when we went for a walk, there was no snow on the ground. So, (laughs) you know, climate climate, uh, crisis is real. But I will leave you on the note to say, please remember your own humanity in the space in which you are most uncomfortable and look for humanity in someone else to give you grace in that vulnerability. Not to be scared of vulnerability, but to actually have 
a way to look into each other's eyes and say, can I be vulnerable here? Can I share my fear here? It's something that is radical in a culture that truly believes that masculinity means, you know, to shut, to, to be cold and, and emotionless and, you know, and capitalistic driven. And motherhood means almost the same, but overly emotional and dependent on the other. We would think with all of the work that we've been doing that that's been in the past, but then, but then we can't look at each other eye to eye and we, we don't have enough black men in therapy and we don't have enough black men therapists and we don't have, you know, um, brown communities reaching out to black communities in massive ways where we can share space and, and hold each other in these, in these mass, um, in these mass shootings and these police beatings, right? I think we have the potential. I think it's there in small chasms, right? I think we have these little spaces that we try to pull this off, but I think we can make this bigger. I think with some courage and some real truth saying, some real authenticity, some real vulnerability and the ask for the share, right? That takes a lot of courage, but it's worth it. We are in a place of despair. We're not getting there. We are dead in the middle. So I leave you with that. I leave you with love. I leave you with good energy. And I hope, I really truly hope that in 2023, that the courage can come from deep within our deepest part of our shyest part of our body and speak loud and surprise the people next to you. That's what I would love for 2023 is let's surprise the person next to you with how much passion you have for equity, how much passion you have for the community that you may not live with and that you may not share space with, but that you know are your human brothers, sisters, and cousins. All right. This is Black Girl from Eugene, Aisha Elliott. Please remember my every my bi-week um, conversations on my Patreon. Um, $5 will get you into the convo. We have very casual, very protected, very safe spaces to talk about our relationship to racism, impact and intention, white supremacy culture, and all the things just one hour an evening. Um, And I will talk to you all soon. Peace.